to another episode of Phoenix Frontlines Podcast. I'm Dark Matter Dreads alongside Kraken, as usual. Hello. So, uh, we did have kind of a slow week this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about a couple of the events that uh, occurred, but uh, luckily there was no arrests, no incidences of brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's eyes are okay. <laughs> everybody's, you know, nobody has any cuts or bruises being shield bashed or anything like that. So good news there. Um, for for those stories, listen to our first couple episodes. Right. Um, and you'll, you'll hear all about that. If you haven't yet, uh, go back and listen to them. Also find us on social media at PHX Frontlines on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to support us, donate to our Venmo or Cash App. Same thing at PHX Frontlines. So yeah, the first event I went to this past week was Thursday in Gilbert again. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a weekly thing. They're always kind of out there it's the one we're staring down the trump supporters yeah the counter protesters the blue lives matter people and it was it was about the same as last week there's not really anything different to report there cops were looking at us more than them um you know we're all on edge thinking somebody's going to start shit because of recent events elsewhere in the country and um nothing happened you know we all got home safe um so you know successful night i would Mm -hmm. say anytime that happens definitely um and then we had uh, the event the next day, at f- uh, Friday, in out in Chandler. Um, that was the umbrella mm-hmm. umbrella protests. Uh, what, thirty people, thirty, forty people there. I would say about thirty-five. Yeah. Yeah, about about thirty-five people there. So it wasn't huge. Uh, it was a good. It was a decent turnout. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to expect on that one, to be honest. Right. Um, it was a decent turnout. We marched down to uh, Chandler precinct, where. They're supposed to be open 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you, want to, do you want to tell them what happened when we stood in front of the door? We were like 20 feet in front of the doors. We weren't even like close to it. Yeah, we started kind of strategically inching towards them, not planning on doing anything except for just being closer to the door. And they got scared and they actually locked the precinct doors with a pair of handcuffs. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, because the doors don't lock themselves because, again, it's 24 hours. It's supposed to be open 24 hours. Right. So it's not supposed to ever be closed to the public. Seems like a fire hazard. Right. <laughs> and they and uh, I'll, I'll link. We got, a, we got a video of it. I'll link to it on the Instagram um, of them putting handcuffs, literal handcuffs, around the inside handles of the doors to lock them shut because there was 20, 20 30 yeah. people standing outside with umbrellas. Yeah. Uh, those dangerous umbrella guns mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, from uh, Kingsman. That's where it is. We have that's what they think that it is. It's those guns from Kingsman Secret Service. Oh right, yeah, yeah. those those. Uh, um, so yeah, that covert. was that was pretty funny. Um, but I mean, it, other than that, nothing really, nothing really transpired that night. They tried to tell us to get out of the parking oh, yeah. lot, and because we were basically obstructing obstructing the street, and we were like, this is a parking lot, like. What if we needed to go to our cars? And they're like, well, then go to your cars. And they're like, you were doing great before. You know, you stayed on the sidewalk, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but you're going to have to go ahead and continue doing that. And I was like, we don't need your fucking approval. Right. Like, get out of like, here. shut the fuck up. Yeah. But yeah, and, and also to that street, and I'm using air quotes, uh, was closed. Yeah. Like, there's a there was a sign in front of it. People weren't able to drive into it because they had a sign that said closed mm-hmm. um and it was it was a parking lot it was the pavers and then both sides had uh the stripes painted for you know it would have been park. no problem for us to allow vehicles to move 
past us if right. someone was trying to pull out or in. Right. And also because it's a, a parking area, they shouldn't be going very fast anyway. Like they shouldn't be going much faster than we'd walk there anyway. Tons of pedestrians um, in a parking lot. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's why you're supposed to go slow in a parking yeah. lot. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the, it was what, a couple bike bicycle cops mm-hmm. and then a, a, a squad car rolled up and they were all all amped up like, oh, you can't do this. Like, we got something to yell at him for. Finally. Uh, mm-hmm. buff. We're like, shut the fuck up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, again, another night, nothing. Yeah, we all got home. All got home safe. safe Everybody's so. good. Um, all clear. So that was, that was good. Yeah. Um, I did go on Saturday and uh, help hand out more supplies to the homeless, as I've talked about before in uh, episode one. And uh, we had a smaller group doing it. I think it was only like eight of us, mm-hmm. like tops. Um, I don't think it was as publicized and it was a different organization running it. Yeah. I think the point was literally just to pass out supplies. It was word of mouth sort of thing. Yeah. So what we didn't need a lot of people doing it. We didn't want a lot of people doing it. Um, but even, even still the cops still showed up, um, and were harassing us. Uh, it was the same thing we had. On private property, we had permission to be there. Yeah. We were in the dirt of the property, not even on the sidewalk. Um, I think we set up, because there's like dirt on both sides of the sidewalk, between mm-hmm. the road and then between the building. And we originally set up on the between the road and the sidewalk, and mm-hmm. the cop came up and was like, oh, you can't, you can't be here. You have to be up against the building. And we're like, fucking whatever, dude, fine. We'll move t- 10 feet to, the, to yeah. the other side. And we set up there, and then I guess his supervisor came back around um, who came out, who was a, a grenadier. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they would need a grenadier to at all, but let alone for this incident. But uh, he came out, and I'll, I'll upload this video because I recorded the interaction. Uh, it cut off at the end, uh, but all that I really missed was on, on camera was his name, but I did get it, and I mentioned it in another video because he was telling us, um, we can't set up here because just across the street is where the homeless are set up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they're going to be coming across the street, and it's going to be, you know, have a whole bunch of them coming across and it's not safe on this busy street and you know the cars coming and everything and uh i'll i'll post the video i uploaded after because i went over to the street he's talking about and filmed how busy it is um probably a good 30 second to a minute video of just no cars like yeah. zero and it's a one-way street too so you only have to look the one way right um and it's just an empty street for as far as you can see there's just no cars um my wife was telling me that um, the one of the officers came by and said, "Well, maybe this was towards the beginning, because they, we, well, we Rising has permission to pass out supplies there by mm-hmm. the property manager or owner or whatever. Right. And they're like, well, we can't confirm that you have permission to do this because they're not here at the property or something. Did yeah. you catch one of that? Yeah. So, um, that was I don't he might have mentioned that in the first conversation mm-hmm. I missed, but they, he was talking about that in when the supervisor came. He was like, so they just kept finding reasons to. Yeah, he was like, we need to contact the property manager and make sure you have permission to be here. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> and the person who was trying to, uh, who was organizing this one, who was talking to him, mm-hmm. was like, I, I do have his permission to be here. Like, I can contact. I'm trying to contact him right now to confirm. But like, yeah, we do have his permission. But like, he, he kept trying to just be like. You know, oh, we're just, you know, looking out for people's safety and we just want to make sure. And I'm like, he's like, we just want to help out. Bullshit. I'm, I'm like, no, if you wanted to help out, what you could do is, is let us post up in the middle of the us, street right let there. Let us post up. You could, you, you have your 
badge, you have your authority, you have your car with lights. Mm -hmm. If if traffic's a concern to you, post up where they're going to be coming across and help direct people and traffic Mm -hmm. to get their supplies. Let us into the uh, entryway of the unsheltered community and let us set up right there and hand out supplies. Rally to get donations. Go to the store and get us some ice. Like, if you want to help out, fucking help out. Right. Don't just be like, oh, you can't do this. You have to be here and you have to move 10 feet and uh, you have to, you know, you can't hold your stuff. You got to, don't give us all these micromanagement bullshit fucking mm-hmm. things and then try and act like you're helping. You're right. not. They just want to fuck with us. Yep. They just want to fuck with us every time. But, uh, but again, other than, other than that, um, they kind of left, they left us alone after that. There was, they, we still saw like the paddy wagon uh, and the facial recognition truck driving around, <laughs> but like. They didn't do anything. It's just like, go away. What are you doing? We don't need you here. So that was pretty much the week. I'm, I'm happy that nobody nobody was hurt. Nobody was uh, incarcerated over this week. So yeah. any, anytime that happens, it's a, good, it's a good week, I think. Absolutely. So later today, we're going to be talking about the war on drugs. Yes which we'll have Ryan Tice back with us to talk about that. That's going to be a great conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we get to that, um, I do want to, for anybody that's either new to protesting or maybe you want to get out and help and want to get out and do something, but you're not sure like what to to do, how to be safe. Like you've heard, you've probably heard all our stories now and maybe you're a little worried. Um, So we want to kind of give, go over a couple like, tips and tricks and just some advice in general for like what to expect at um, a protest. Great. Uh, So yeah, I have some notes here prepared for me. Um, First thing you, you have to be prepared to be arrested. Yeah. They, first of all, don't give them a reason to arrest you, Mm -hmm. but understand that they don't need one. Uh, I've been arrested twice and there hasn't been a reason for either the, the second, the latest time my charges were dismissed before I knew what they were. Mm -hmm. They didn't have anything and they still kept a bunch of my shit. Um, so, so just be prepared for it. Um, bring only what you're willing to lose. Uh, if, you can get a burner phone, mm-hmm. do that because they will keep your phone. Um, not necessarily always, they haven't kept everybody's phones, but it's very common that they will just keep your phone. Yeah. And um, they might even say that they can keep it up to seven years yeah. um, if they label you a gang member. Um, and then they can just keep your phone. And uh, so, so get a burner phone if you can. Um, but the other thing too is when you're out there, don't be surprised about the violence that the police exert on us. Uh, any police brutality, it's it's pretty standard, especially out here in Arizona. Uh, again, if this is the first episode you're listening to, go back and listen to the first one, and you'll hear all about that. Um, and that's exactly why we're out here yeah. is because they do that; they violate our rights and and all that. So, so know your rights. Um, don't talk to police. It doesn't help anybody. They will only lie to you. They will only feed you mm-hmm. what they think you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was uh, arrested this past time, 
I gave him my, my name and my birthday. That's all I have to give him. And he was like, he was asking me a bunch of other questions. Like, what's your address and what's this? And I was like, I've given you everything I need to give you. And he, he said, he said to me something along the lines of, he's like, uh, no, you haven't actually. You watch too much TV. <laughs> uh, that was the advice I got from my lawyer, buddy, not from TV. Jeez. Uh, so, yeah, you like they're going to get a lot of that information anyway. Like yeah. They have my address anyway. They have a bunch of my information anyway. But like. I'm not going to make it easy for him. I'm not going right. to say anything. Anything you say in there uh, can and will be used against you. That's part of the Miranda rights. It's li- it literally says it will be used against you. Not for you. Mm-hmm. Not in your benefit. Not to help you out. But against you. They want to find something to, find something yeah. to get you on. So uh, even if you get arrested, uh, especially if you get arrested, don't talk to police. Um, it's, it's really as simple as that. Ask for a lawyer. Know your rights. Uh, and be prepared for that. I already mentioned briefly, though, they'll they'll keep your shit. Um, a couple people I know, they still have their cell phones. They have my ID. Mm-hmm. Um, they took like 50 bucks from me that I'm never going to get back. Uh, they still have they still have a bunch of my stuff and they'll and they'll like purposefully lose track of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I won't say purposefully because I can't prove that, but they will somehow magically lose track of your stuff and it won't be on, like they'll take it right out of your pockets and then they won't write it down on the sheet that they hand you that's like, oh, here's what we have of yours. It'll be like, oh, your belt and your shoelaces. And it's like, well, what about my phone? What about my wallet? What about, you know, all this other stuff? And they're just, they're just like, oh, we, I don't know. Um, and the first time I went to get my backpack, um, and they were like, oh, we only have one backpack here and it's not under your name. And I was like, <laughs> what? Um, so they didn't even have it like listed down. And then like two months later, I finally got a letter in the mail saying, oh, you can pick up your backpack. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. Um, so yeah, they'll they'll keep your shit. So don't bring anything that you aren't willing to lose. Uh, don't bring any like expensive jewelry yeah. or anything like that. Just only bring what you'd be okay with completely losing. Uh, another big important thing is phone security. Yes. Um, if you do plan on bringing your phone, because sometimes I'll just leave my phone in the car. I won't even bring it out there, and I'll just make sure I got eyes on my people. Yep. Yeah, and that's definitely smart to do because um, cops can use your biometrics mm-hmm. to unlock your phone, mm-hmm. and then they'll get into your phone, and they'll do whatever the hell they want in there. They'll go through all your shit. So turn off fingerprint IDs, turn off facial recognition, unlock features, turn off all the biometrics. Just use a really long pin or password and just leave just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I When I first kind of started, I was kind of disabling fingerprint scanner whenever I go out and then I'd re-enable it when I get home just so it's easier. But at this point, I'm like, nah, I just want to... Yeah. I'm just... I'm turning it off completely. It mm-hmm. Um and everything so especially because they've been coming to our houses now mm-hmm. so i don't want to be scrambling to you know do all these safety things when they come knocking on my door so um yeah most secure would be a password because yes. you're throwing in 25 characters into the mix as well as symbols which they're about i want to say like 10 15 symbols and then also zero through nine Right. So you're making it very, very difficult to 
brute force attack that yeah. uh, password. So absolutely, just follow like normal website standards, like an eight-character password with a capital letter. Uh, oh, never mind, 26, 25 times two because you can do capital and lowercase. Right. So exactly. um, pins are good too. And I'm sure you're going to touch on this, but at least like six six digits. Yeah, would be best. yeah, definitely at least six digits. The, obviously, the longer the better. Yeah. Just to to increase that security. Um, also, disable notifications mm-hmm. because uh, if somebody texts you and their their text will show up on your lock screen and yeah. they can read what that says. Yeah. So if people are trying, if people don't know, a lot of times people won't necessarily know you got arrested, mm-hmm. and they might message you like something, you know, whatever it is, and the cops will be able to see that pop up in the notification. I think a lot of messaging apps, like you can see the mess, like that there's a notification, but it'll say message you know right secure yeah. something like if i pull it down it while it's locked and i look at my notifications or it pops up it just says message from somebody right. and it won't say what it is right um i have so, an android yeah. i don't know about iphone but i imagine they have some something similar i would think yeah i yeah. don't have an iphone either but yeah do do that make sure if it, if you are getting notifications that it doesn't show anything on your lock screen yeah um also disable anything like access to your camera or any access any accesses accesses um any access to any of your apps from your lock screen try and make sure those are turned off um because they will get your fingerprints and they will use that to open your phone and they might even pretend to be you and message some of your friends Mm -hmm. to get some information yeah like ryan talked about last week yeah exactly so Probably one of the biggest things is the buddy system. Mm-hmm. My first arrest, I had I had friends, but I had met them fairly recently um, at protests, and they were going through. They had to go through like my LinkedIn and find like they were just like searching like all the stuff to try and find my information so that they could figure the lawyers could figure out mm-hmm. you know everything about me and and be there to help me out so it's just it's very important that you go with someone uh preferably multiple people yeah and that at least a couple people have your your crucial information Mm -hmm. uh your full name and your birthday um so that if anything does happen to you they have that information to pass on to people who can get it to the right uh the right minds absolutely to help you out um, also know this is this isn't part of the buddy system necessarily, but also know the bail fund number, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which you'll you'll find you'll usually find from any any of the organizers will post that, mm-hmm. so you can find that if if you heard about the event, you can you can find the bail number. Write it on your arm in Sharpie, yeah, along with a friend's number that you don't maybe you don't have memorized, um, so that when you do get your phone call you can make sure you call the proper uh, call the proper systems and that way if they somehow don't have your information yet you can call them and get them your information mm-hmm. try to carpool if you can it's just like like we've mentioned before people have been pulled over after events yeah. uh, and arrested and if you're by yourself and that happens nobody, nobody will know and plus your car gets towed so that's fun Right. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's going to be a headache. But also, nobody will know until 
you don't check in. Mm-hmm. And then people will be like, hey, did so-and-so get home safe? And we'll be like, I haven't heard from them. Mm-hmm. You heard from them? And then we have, it takes a little bit to realize maybe they got picked up. How do we? And then we got to figure out what's going on. Um, so make sure somebody has your information, name and birthday. Make sure you carpool um, as, as many people as you can. Go with two or three people. Make sure they have the information. Yeah. Build community with those you trust. Meet some people. Talk to them. If you see familiar faces and you yeah. start going more frequently, um, start to build that trust and, and uh, grow within the community. Um, and just know we'll all have your back out there. Um, For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And parking. Parking is a tough one. Yes. I've struggled with this myself. You don't want to park too close to the event. Mm-hmm. because when usually we'll, groups will gather back to where it originated before people disperse um, and the cops are just all around that area mm-hmm. so if you're parked like right by it again they pull people over leaving so if you if they just see you walk out from the protest and get in your car especially by yourself if you're not carpooling and don't have people with you yeah it's you become an easy target where they're like oh we can get them yeah, easy. Pull you, pull you over. So um, you obviously don't want to park too far that you got to hike seven miles right. <laughs> to get back to your car because then you're walking yeah. and you're vulnerable on the sidewalk where they can roll, roll up mm-hmm. to you. So, um, so just make sure you think through where you're parking, know where the event is located. Um, try and link up with someone who knows the area mm-hmm. that can kind of help you out with where you can park. Um, that way you can just, you can find a nice place that's uh, close enough and and least threatening. So then also, um, you kind of want to plan things out with someone ahead of time. Mm-hmm. When you get out there, if stuff starts happening and escalating, you want to make sure you're ready for that. If you go out there expecting you're just going to march... And the cops are going to just kind of follow along behind all mopey and like not do anything. Mm-hmm. You're in for a surprise. Um, so plan with the people you're with. Have like where you can regroup. If you get separated, you know, try and stay together. Uh, when stuff does happen, don't panic. Yeah. Understand that it's it. Just go out there with the mentality that it's going to happen. Um, expect to get tear gassed. Expect to get to get shot at with rubber bullets, and be ready for what's going to happen. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it was like this week and all's good and we're, we can go home safe and everything, but don't assume that's what's going to happen. Assume shit's going to go down. And I, I want to add to that. And I would say that staying calm is really, really important. Even if the cops start getting aggressive, because like we were talking about the other day, um, at this point, cops are predators, and if they see fast movement, mm-hmm. it might trigger their, you know, yeah, attack abs- instinct or whatever. Absolutely. Not like they're animals, but they're they're hunters right now, right? Right. So, um, I would just say, you know, calmly walking away from the situation is probably best. Um, I mean, if you get if you get shot at with rubber bullets or pepper balls or whatever it is, you would have anyway. So. Yeah probably best to just try to be calm yeah exactly and what goes along with that is when 
they see someone running, that implies guilt yeah, to them. Exactly. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be like just randomly like, I'm going to go for a jog right now and start <laughs> jogging, but they're going to see someone running and they're going to assume you're running away because you did something wrong. And right. so you made yourself a target. And they use tactics like flashbangs mm -hmm. and tear gas to specifically disperse people and make them panic. Yeah. Uh, as soon as a couple people start running, people kind of follow suit. Yep. And so don't run. Mm -hmm. Like flashbangs are loud as shit. Trust me. When I first, when they first went off next to me, I was like, what the fuck was that? Mm -hmm. It's like you're in a war zone. And that's mm -hmm. the point. It's mm -hmm. to make you feel like you're in a war zone. And if you haven't been in a war zone, obviously you aren't prepared for that. Right. And so all the loud noises, the bangs, explosions, it's literally just to scare you and make you run. Mm -hmm. um, so then they can, and then they'll target you. So it's, it is disturbing at first, um, but just try and keep in mind and go, going into it yeah. that that stuff's going to happen and you just need to keep calm. And you'll be okay. Orient yourself. Make sure you know what's going on in your surroundings. Make sure you know where the line of cops are mm -hmm. and where your friends are and where the main group is. Stick with the main group and you'll be fine. Yeah. In a group, we'll be safe. It's when we scatter and people panic. Yeah. That's when things can get hairy. Yeah, we keep us safe. So as long as you stick with everybody, you know, you've you've got people there that are they're gonna be with you when, when shit goes down. Absolutely. We have pretty much at every event, especially every event we've been to, we kinda play the role of just we help whoever needs help. Right. So we kinda try to be there to kinda I guess mediate things mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. people that may not be as experienced and not know what's going on. We try to keep people calm. We try mm -hmm. to keep but we have everybody's back. Yeah. Um, we're not going to leave everybody behind. So, but, but don't make it hard for us. <laughs> um, also, I do want to say real quick, cause this has happened a few times and it's frustrating. If you're, if you're marching and you're just out there with, first of all, cover up as much as you can. But if you're like, if you don't have a backpack or any like supplies or anything, and you're just out there to like, you got energy and you're like pissed off, please try to keep a gradual pace. Yeah. We have supply crews there with uh, waters and snacks. They're pulling a lot of water in wagons. They can't move as fast as you guys can. People in the front like to get excited and they start marching fast and then mm -hmm. it stretches us thin mm -hmm. and they start picking people off in the back. Mm -hmm. and, it, and supply crews get left behind and they're out there to support you guys. So do them a favor and do us a favor. Try and just... I know your energy's up. I get it. Yeah. But just try and try and keep it keep it a slower pace. You don't have to. You don't have to like pretend you're an old man. Right. On a walker, but like also no power walking. Just like try and go to normal natural speed and, and be aware of the people behind you. Yeah. Just keep keep a keep a little tab on the folks behind you. Um. I mean, if there's only a few layers of people when you look behind you, you're probably going too fast. Yeah. So, and and keep in mind too that uh, the medics mm -hmm. also carry a lot of gear. A lot of gear. Mm -hmm. They're there to help you. They're phenomenal. We have phenomenal medics out here. But again, help them help you. Right. And don't spread them too thin. They're not going to leave people behind either. So if people are getting left behind and, and the group's breaking apart, you can bet some of the medics are going to be back there. Yeah. And that leaves less medics for the main crowd. Exactly. So again, it's just. And it's, it's simple things that you just got to, when you're out there, just keep them in mind. Just little things, if you can just keep those in mind, it helps. Uh, it helps so much. 
also, and this is also important, record the cops. Yeah. So if you do have your phone, um, use your phone, put it in airplane mode, so calls and texts don't interrupt it, and just record the cops. Mm-hmm. If at any at any chance you get, uh, don't kill your battery before. Yeah. You know the first hour of of protest, but. You know, anything where if somebody, if a cop looks suspicious, if he's got his hand on his gun, if he's getting out his pepper spray, if, if there's a you know, riot cops coming out, mm-hmm. anything, record the cops. They are brutal. They are manipulative. They lie. We need the video proof mm-hmm. to help us Whatever, fight anything yeah. that they, any bullshit charges they try to throw on exactly. us. Um, if... Any so record cops at all times, but especially when something's happening. If you see them arresting someone, if you see them brutalizing someone, if you see them doing any any kind of action whatsoever, record it immediately. Always be ready to record. Um, get a body cam, mm. find a cheap body cam to keep keep on you, so you don't miss any of these moments. Um, with extra batteries for it. And a nice big memory card. But mm-hmm. if you don't, if you don't have the money or the funds to get that, uh, just use your phone. Make sure it's fully charged. If you got a burner, use that. But keep it in airplane mode and and yeah. record whatever you can. Um, also, communicate with the organizers what happened. Mm-hmm. So make sure when you're at an event, you notice who the organizers are, and so that you can. Uh, find them and if anything happens you can let them know what happened let them know you have it on video and they can direct you of what to do with that video also important do not share this video publicly unless you're absolutely certain that the information will not help the cops yeah uh any little thing you, you might not even realize it could help the cops it can help the cops they will like we said they're brutal and manipulative they will take the slightest thing on camera to justify war crimes mm-hmm. as they have multiple times over just out here in Phoenix, let alone the rest of the country. So just again, find the organizers, run it by them, get the videos to, to where they direct you to, and then kind of just sit on it yeah, and, and wait for, but po- a lot of times posting that stuff can, can backfire on us Mm -hmm. and we want to make it as easy as we can for our lawyers too because they're also incredible but we need to make sure that we're not overwhelming them with um just unnecessary sidetracks um so those are those are like the bulk of what what advice we can give there's a couple other things i'll post these on our social medias we have uh, safety during protests from Amnesty International. Just a little PDF file that it's like knowing your rights, what to bring, what to wear, what not to do, what to do. Um, there's also a section on dealing with tear gas. So it, it's all good information. I will say, do not wear contacts. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more information on this PDF that that'll definitely be essential for you guys, and you can find it on our IGs, PHX Frontlines. But don't wear contacts. Mm-hmm. If you get tear gassed or pepper sprayed, that's going to be very bad because the contacts will trap the tear gas or pepper spray against your eye. And it, and I've been pepper sprayed. You can't open your eyes. 
when you've been pepper sprayed. So it's going to be very difficult to get your contacts out. And it's just, it's going to make the medic's job harder. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be miserable. So uh, more so than you would be if you didn't have contacts and were pepper sprayed. Mm-hmm. And that's bad enough as it is. So, yeah, just don't wear contacts. Um, if you are like super blind and all you wear is contacts and you really can't see without them, please find some airtight, watertight, uh, preferably ballistic level goggles Mm -hmm. to wear. And then just do not take them off. If stuff's going down, if you get sprayed in the face, do not take them off. Yeah. I told my story about that. Trust me, do not take them off. Just deal with the burning around your face. Keep it out of your eyes. Get to a medic. They will help you. Um, And then you can just listen to what they have to tell you after that. And then I have, so there's a couple other materials I'll post. Um, There's another one that's a little longer, so I'll probably post this PDF um, on the resource website I have put together, and I'll I'll get a link to that as well on our social medias. Um, And then just like, just in general, if for things like this, uh, self-care is very important. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This stuff is stressful. Uh, even going to one protest could like completely stress you out for who knows how long. So just breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's like breathwork breathing. It's obviously fundamental to life, but uh, our breath can also be used to consciously control our nervous system. So if we're short of breath, as an example, whether uh, from an asthmatic crisis or chronic anxiety, the resulting feeling is often panic. So if you take deep breaths, deepen your breathing, even for a moment, it can kind of help soothe your anxiety, calm you down a little bit and restore a little, you know, uh, grounds to your nervous system. That Mm -hmm. way you can, in the moment when things are happening, just take that moment, breathe and just reassess your surroundings. And that way you'll be, you'll be more apt to make a rational decision rather than just, Oh shit, I got to run. Uh, so yeah, just, just do that out in the field, but also like on your own, if you're feeling too stressed, just take some time and just breathe, just breathe. Yeah. Um, you'll be good. So, um, so yeah. And if you have, I mean, if you have any other questions about, you know, what to do at a protest, there's always people there that know what's going on yeah. and you'll be able to tell the people that no. have been there right. frequently, find one of us and, and ask questions. Yeah. Um, ask how things go. What, what should you do? What, mm-hmm. what can you bring next time? Um, and, and yeah, and just, and pay attention to the organizers and just be safe. Just be smart. So we'll, we'll post those resources with all that information so you can read over it. And uh, hopefully it helps you out. Hopefully you come join us. We see you out there and we can fight the system together. That's right. It's going to get cooler now too, so. Yes, it's finally cooling off. Heat exhaustion won't be as big of a threat. <laughs> yeah. So if you, were, if you were not coming out because of the heat, it's cooling down. You have no excuses. <laughs> Let's see you out there. All right. For this segment, we have Ryan Tice joining us again. How's it going, Ryan? Pretty good. Ready to uh, get into this very uh, porous and... Uh, 
topic. Yeah, this very in-depth conversation. Oh yeah, uh, it's going to be a good one today. We're talking about the war on drugs. Um, I'm not just here with Ryan. I'm here with Kraken as well. Hello. Um, I just realized you, we, we would have already been talking, so I don't have to introduce you again. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, we're talking about the war on drugs today. Um, it ties in heavily to last week's episode yes. of mass incarceration, which I think was a, a great discussion. And there's still plenty more we probably could have touched on in that subject. Um, so we'll probably be men- throwing a lot of mentions back to that episode. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to it. We're trying to tie all this all together. Mm-hmm. It's going to flow in some kind of manner week to week, so it, it will be good to listen to them in order. Um, today's going to be the war on drugs. So to start it off, I have this article up um, of the early stages of drug prohibition. So mm-hmm. many currently illegal drugs, such as marijuana, opium, coca, and psychedelics have actually been used for thousands of years for not only spiritual pur- spiritual purposes but also medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they're now illegal, like some are illegal and some are legal today. It's it's interesting because it's not based on any scientific assessment of the relative risks of these drugs, but it has everything to do with who is associated with these drugs. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the first anti-opium laws were in the 1870s and they were directed at Chinese immigrants. The first anti-cocaine laws were in the early 1900s and they were directed at black men in the South. Mm -hmm. The first anti-marijuana laws, that was the Midwest and Southwest in the 1910s and 20s, directed at Mexican migrants and Mexican Americans. Uh, Today, Latino and especially black communities are still subject to wildly disproportionate drug enforcement and sentencing practices. So it's not just the the, the rates that they're sent the that they are sentenced for it, but it's the actual sentences themselves tend to be disproportionately harsher. Um, it, the the heaviest part of this war on drugs really begins um, with Nixon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the that iconically guy. the iconically impersonated yeah. president. I think of. I am not a crook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a piece of shit um, because he was the first one to declare the war on drugs. Now, you may have heard this quote, but I, there was a member of his administration goes by the name, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. John uh, Ehrlichman. Ehrlichman. Do you know how we, how we would say that? It would probably be... Ehrlichman? Ehrlichman? That's John probably Ehrlichman. how they would say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he was Nixon's uh, domestic policy advisor who worked, who worked directly with Nixon during this time period. And uh, he actually came out uh, to an author, Dan Baum, in 94, who was researching drug prohibition politics. And essentially, he, he ended up Um, basically snapping and giving this quote. He says, you want to know what this was really all about? He asked with the bluntness of a man who, after public disgrace and a stretch in federal prison, had little left to protect. He goes on to say, the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or be black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the blacks with heroin mm-hmm. and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. 
We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Boom. <clears throat> this is from the, the dude who was the policy advisor for the Nixon admin. So he was at the heart of this. Mm -hmm. And this is him with nothing left to lose finally being like, yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, it was literally about race. It was Our enemies were literally black people. But we couldn't make it a crime to be black because you can't come out and say it, you can't be black because that goes back to slavery times and mm -hmm. people obviously have something to say about that. But that's what they did. They started the war on drugs in order to be able to arrest people, specifically black people and, and anti-war leftists, um, so that they could further their campaign. Yep. So, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, like we could leave it at that, and that could be the episode. Yeah. And like, because that's really all you need to know that really? the war on drugs was started to arrest, to mass arrest black people, racially and, charged. Yes, and and as we mentioned in the last episode with mass incarceration. Uh, since that time period, incarceration rates increased by 700% mm -hmm. to today, yep. um, up to 2.3 million people in prison right now. Um, a lot of these on uh, these drug charges, uh, was one in five, were nonviolent drug offenses. Um, so, I mean, I mean, what, what crosses your mind when you hear that the obvious quote from from the Nixon admin. I mean, it, we, we all kind of knew even before hearing that quote what was going on. But yeah, I would to say hear them admit it's, it. it's a clear tool. The police and, and laws are a clear tool that the government uses to make the system stronger. They, they yeah, have more the, reason to fucking arrest people of color or the left, and it's because they're threatened by it. Yep. Yeah, it's it's... You know, we we were talking about the history of police in the last episode and how they're they came from slave patrols and they were designed to oppress and brutalize black people. And now you have that organization in charge of enforcing these new laws about drugs, which again for, for thousands of years have been used both spiritually and medicinally with I don't want to say no problems, but with with virtually no problems. Um, you know, if people are responsible with it and whatever. And but then by criminalizing it, now all of a sudden all somebody has to do is have a plant on them. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, oh, you're a criminal. We can yep. lock you up. That's our that's our loophole in the 13th Amendment. We can enslave you again. Yep. Um, and with that comes taking away voting rights. Yep. It comes away. Uh, like you, you get more black people in a system where they are forced to be an institutionalized slave where they're working yep. for companies, private companies, and helping them get massive profit margins mm -hmm. all because of a plant or any yep. sort of or drug a, that yeah. isn't i mean if they're putting someone at risk then you rehabilitate right whereas truly rehabilitate yeah, yeah. whereas here they're just saying oh you had a drug on you you're going to fucking jail <laughs> yeah exactly and i have a few um stats up about that actually so um the number of arrests in 2018 uh, in the U.S. for drug law violations was 1.6 million. The number of those drug arrests that were for possession only, 1.4 million. 
So you have just over 200,000 that were more than just having it on you. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of those were just, he had it. You just, you just had it. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, 1.4 million of, of those arrests were just simply for possession. Um, number of people arrested for a marijuana law violation in 2018 was uh, 663,000. Um, and the number of those charged with marijuana law violations who were also arrested for possession only was 608,000. So again, the vast majority of these arrests are simply because they had it on them. Um, we'll probably do an entire episode alone on how police plant evidence on people. Right. Yeah. But I would be very, I can't wait till I look up that stat and find out how many of those were planted. And it, you can't that's even prove stuff it. That you, that's just stuff that was reported. Right. Yeah. So you, you don't, we don't even know how many of those were, were planted on people, how many of those were legit. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't even know if we could find that stat because I don't see why, where you could keep track of that. But I'm um, kind of touching on uh, marijuana arrests. Um, I do have a statistics from a statistic from Brookings um, Institution, and okay. uh, I'll just take an exact quote. Despite cannabis usage rates between whites and non-whites being similar, black Americans are arrested for cannabis offenses at a rate of nearly four to one compared to whites. And in a nation, nearly 700,000 cannabis-related arrests each year a number that was over 800,000 a few years ago, these policies affect an enormous amount of Americans mm -hmm. at a four to one ratio. Four to one. Four to one. Four to one. When they use at the same the rate. same rate. It's not increased rates. It's yeah, just the same percentage of black gets, people use as the same percentage of white people. And yeah. Four times as many right. black people are actually charged are, are punished for that. Um, so uh, again, and that statement right there that you just said are punished for that just yeah makes me punished for like punished for smoking weed like right. what right for <laughs> like smoking what weed. like I just it's so and ridiculous alcohol is legal yeah yeah and, right and we remember what happened with alcohol prohibition how well that went yeah. it didn't fucking go well yeah um yeah and 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 the you know but at the time well war on drugs is just vastly different um as far as how they're enforcing and how they, how they, because they haven't ended the prohibition, obviously. Mm -hmm. There are some states that have legalized uh, marijuana, mm -hmm. um, such as, let's see, where is it? Number of states that allow medicinal use of marijuana, 33 plus the District of Columbia. Number of states that have legalized marijuana, 11 plus the District of Columbia. That's Alaska, California, Colorado, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington State. Um, the number of states have decriminalized or removed the threat of jail time for simple possession of small amounts of marijuana is 26 plus the District of Columbia. And the number of, uh, oh, that's a different step. So, so yeah, um, I mean, we're still not there. There's, there's, there's a long way to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, marijuana is one thing. Um, personally, I think, and we were talking about this a little earlier, is uh, all drugs should be decriminalized. Yes. So, um, because I agree. Because the when you when you think about it, um, you can do whatever the fuck you want with your own body. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not affecting me, why do I give a fuck? Mm -hmm. uh, it's only when it does affect other people and, and can affect other people negatively that then it becomes an issue. And that issue is independent based on 
the circumstances of the case. Yeah. And it should be treated as, if it is related to the drug use, it should be treated as a health issue. Mm -hmm. You should get this person help, get them help kick their addiction, and help get them back on their feet, find the root issues of why they got into it, why they're having addiction, what else is going on. But we don't have very good health care in this fucking country. Mm -hmm. But if you legalized and regulated all drugs, then you could bring in a lot of money. There's actually a stat here. So annual budgetary gains that could be generated by legalization of all drugs, $106.7 billion. That would be $19 billion in state and local tax revenue, $39 billion in federal tax revenue, plus you'd save about $47 billion on prohibition enforcement. Mm -hmm. So we're spending $47 billion to prevent people from what, having a good time. Right. And I, I do want to remind um, everyone who listened to the last episode that it is about $80 billion in taxes for us to fund prisons. Yeah, for mm -hmm. fund the prison system. So it would literally cover that if we continue to enforce the law, it would literally cover the entire prison. Right, with money left over to invest in programs for rehabilitation to help people get back on their feet if they do have an issue yeah not to um, mention we're saving 47 billion just by not enforcing right. these right laws exactly <laughs> so it's just it people and people always tell me like oh the system's not racist money talks it's green is the only color that matters well we, we this would literally save money mm -hmm. and yet we're not doing it and the reason why we're not doing it is because then it would lower the prison populations which would lower the amount of enslaved labor that we have in this country for the the billionaires at the top to profit off of yeah, exactly. going back to um, decriminalization. So there's a Time article that I pulled up. It's from 2018. And it basically touches on um, in the 1990s, Portugal was extremely ridden with heroin addiction, um, like 1% of the population, which wow. of any country, that's that's, that's a lot. lot. Um. So over the course of two decades, uh, the government's response was very similar to what we're doing here. Mass, you know, arrests, making it a crime, um, harsh policies. Uh, but in 2001, Portugal decided to just decriminalize the consumption of all drugs. So everything. Okay. Nice. Um, right. Which, I mean, it was rocky at first. They They went through several different conservative and progressive administrations, but that policy is stuck. Uh, because they realized they were just squandering resources, just like you said, yep. just like you mentioned. Um, so it just made more sense for them to treat them as patients who needed help. Right. Um, so at this point, you know, it's decriminalized. Um, if they have the drug um, and they need to, to get help, there's no distinction between hard or soft drugs. So there's no, like, you know... Um, vilif vilif vilification yeah thank you yeah. um you know they, they're not looked at as as bad people right. just because they have a drug addiction right um and they even have like drug consumption facilities and there's a few places outside of portugal that are doing this as well like canada um some places other places in the in europe where you go there and it's safe you have doctors nurses clean needles whatever just to make sure you're not dying right. by using drugs. Yeah. Um, so Portugal and the United States are very different countries, of course. Right. But 
I think there's it stands to reason you would want to take a look at that example and try to implement it here because right, our opioid addiction is just yeah, and it's I mean it's it's worth trying yeah you know what I mean like I obviously of, what we're doing now is not working yeah a lot of things a lot of the problems in this country it's like the things that aren't working like people are suggesting well let me try this why don't we try that and a lot of the arguments are oh that wouldn't work mm-hmm. well how do we know until we fucking try it mm-hmm. what's what what's going what we're doing right now isn't working it clearly isn't working so let's try something else why right. would we stop why would we continue to do something that isn't working and that is just hurting people right. and destroying homes and families when when we have other options that have worked elsewhere yeah. if it's worked elsewhere it's worth trying here and yes there are different countries like it, it, there's different factors to weigh in <laughs> at the end of the day fucking give it a shot yeah and the, the other thing about like if we decriminalized it um and regulated it then we don't have the problem of people lacing it with fentanyl mm-hmm. and, and things that could make it more dangerous right. cartels aren't going to want to come here what's right. the point they're right. getting it easier we would kill yeah. their market yeah you would um destroy the cartel market yeah mm-hmm. you would destroy it like that it would be done so that they they say it's this war on drugs but it's not a very strategic war mm-hmm. not a very well thought out war it's just a pr move to say hey we're doing our best to crack down on this when in reality they just want to arrest people so I, they yeah. the excuse i would argue labor. it's strategic it's just not in the way that they're pr- they're conveying it because right. i do have a statistic right um that I just pulled up out of the nation. Um, when Clinton left office in 2001, the United States had the highest rate of incarceration in the world. Human Rights Watch reported that in seven states, African Americans constituted 80 to 90% of all drug offenders sent to prison, even though they were no more likely than whites to use or sell illegal drugs. Prison admi- admissions for drug offenses reached a level in 2000 for African Americans more than 26 times the level in 1983. All of the presidents since 1980 have contributed to mass, incarcer- mass incarceration, but as Equal Justice Initiative founder Brian Stevenson uh, recently observed uh, President Clinton's tenure was the worst. Mm-hmm. But in seven wow. states, 80 to 90% are black, even though insane. they're no more likely to possess, use, or sell these drugs. Yeah. 80 to 90%. St- like, I know it's fucked up, but hearing that, even me hearing that stat, it just like, slaps you in the face because it's like it goes back. Is it strategic? Yes. But is yes. it the way, is it how they're trying to make it sound? No. They're trying yeah. to make it seem like a public safety thing, mm-hmm. whereas In it's reality. just a cyclical, yeah. yep. institutionalized slavery. slavery. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, geez, that, it's still 80. It's a 90%, 90% in seven states. In seven states. That is, that's just staggering. I mean, how does it get any more obvious? Mm-hmm. How does it get any more? And and what we were talking about before with uh, the quote from the Nixon admin, I mean, one of the things he said in the end was that we can vilify them night after night mm-hmm. on the evening news. So, you know, the whole country is watching the news, disconnected from Getting what's happening. Getting all this the scenes. information about how drugs are bad. Yep. Okay, and they just see blackface, uh, not blackface, but black people mm-hmm. on the news over and over with these drug charges mm-hmm. plastered as criminals, and they see, and again with the. the can you, can you pull up the stats for the differences in sentencing between whites and blacks? Yeah, I was actually because, looking for that. Okay, because like they'll see, you know, black people, and they'll, a lot of people I think will see the sentence. They'll see, oh, they got this many years, and they they don't think about the crime they actually committed. They look at the punishment, and that's how they decide how 
at like personally how bad mm-hmm. a crime was. They go, oh shit, he got 30 years? Mm-hmm. That's pretty terrible. He did something horrible. And they don't think like, for drugs? That doesn't make any sense. Right. Like 30 years for for drugs? That doesn't, they don't think that. They think, wow, you know, they just know drugs are bad because that's what we're raised to believe in this country. And they're like, wow, 30 years? Yeah, he fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, he's, he's, he's a bad dude. Yep. Shouldn't have done that, and then there's no, there's no sympathy for him, nothing mm-hmm. in it. They see that over and over and over, and it just enforces this racial bias that's subconscious for a lot of people. Yes. A lot of people don't even realize that it's there. Yeah. Um, you know, like I saw, like I mentioned on the last episode, where people will be like, you know, oh well, the, you know, America's not racist, so it must be that blacks just commit more crimes, and it's like that is a racist thing to say, but mm-hmm. they don't realize it. And it's the same, and it's because they're just, it's, they're just conditioned mm-hmm. over and over, and they see lighter sentences for white people, and it it just it affects their lives and how they how they see other people in the world. And, and black people, we deal with that, and we we see it, and we're treated differently because of it, but we're never listened to when it comes to I don't say never, but we're very it's much harder for people to listen to us. Because there's that inherent bias there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's I don't know, it's all fucked. It's very fucked up. It's very fucked up, and like I have to, I have to learn every day yeah. to just just get rid of these uh, this social conditioning, mm-hmm. you know. And I had very, I have very progressive parents. They're very supportive. They're they're you know democrats whatever right. but it's still there mm-hmm. it's still fucking there it is um i just i remember, I, I think back to like me growing up my, my parents are fairly progressive but they never really talked about politics mm-hmm. um but the town i was from is very conservative and so like i i didn't even realize a lot of the things i was saying and a lot of the things my friends from high school would say were like really racist right or at least microaggressions mm-hmm. and i would say the same i would say the same shit i would laugh it off and be like oh yeah uh-huh. but like then as as an adult i'm like thinking back on like what oh god no, that's fucking ugh, that's racist as fuck right but you you know you have to you have to be able to you know reflect on it and, mm-hmm. and listen when somebody calls you out on it definitely um, i won't judge somebody for saying something racist but i'm going to call them out on it yeah. and if they it depends on how they respond. Mm-hmm. Most people will get really defensive and be like, mm-hmm. I'm not fucking racist. Fuck you. I fucking, mm-hmm. I have black friends. Da, da, and, which is another like microaggression and racist thing to say. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, I don't care how many black friends you have. That's not what this is about. You clearly are misunderstanding the point. Yeah. Um, but if they, you know, if they get defensive, then I'm like, okay, you're not trying to get better at all. You're not trying to better yourself as a person. But if they say, oh shit, did, did I, was that racist? And they actually have a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. That means that I know they at least want to not be racist. Yeah. Um, it's not enough to just think you're not racist. You have to actively be... Anti-racist. Be anti-racist mm-hmm. every day and actively be trying to learn and listen to people that know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it really weird that like most of the white people I talk to about it, um, I'm probably the first black person they've talked to about the subject. They probably have talked about it with a bunch of their white friends who have the same views. And I'm probably the first black person that they've talked about with it. Meanwhile, I've talked, spoken with hundreds of white people about this issue and i've heard all their arguments i've heard everything they have to say and i've already like accounted for all that i mm-hmm. I already know um you know the where they're wrong and, and where they need to i've already looked into it based on stats and, and all the stuff right but i don't think they realize that 
that I've already weighed all that in because they've never talked to a, a black person about it. So it, it's just, uh, it can be very frustrating trying to get this information through to people. Yeah, anytime I think of something that I may have said in the past, I'll usually consult with like my my wife or my white friends because I don't feel, and this is just stuff I've read, I don't feel like it's on the burden of black people to right. educate me. You know? Right, absolutely. We, we have absolutely. access to the information now. There's yes. really no excuse. Um, I mean, when, when you do have the opportunity, you should seize it and, mm-hmm. and learn what you can. But you can, you know, there, there are resources out there. Yeah. I've mentioned the 13th, I think, on every episode now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, what are you, are you even listening to what I'm saying? Go watch 13th. It's on Netflix. I know you have Netflix. I know you have Netflix. Don't tell me you don't. We're all in a pandemic. Yeah. Everybody has Netflix. Go watch 13th. Um, just a couple hours long. You can get through it, I promise. Yeah. You'll learn a lot. You'll be glued. You'll be glued. So, Okay, so I did um, find something from the United States Sentencing Commission, and okay. they do acknowledge that there is a wide gap um, in time served by racial and ethnic groups. This isn't specifically towards drugs, but I think it's important to mention. Yeah, because, let's, yeah let's get it out there. Um, so in 19, it's it's been, so in 1987, it was very similar, and then um, as time progressed, it's become a very disproportionate where in just two years later in 1989, um, blacks were getting 60 months of imprisonment, whereas whites were getting under 40. And in 2001, which is where it ends, um, black citizens were getting about 67 and whites were getting about 40. So it's yeah. only widened right. with time. Mm-hmm. And this is all other things being equal, just the sentencing. Right. So, right. I mean, that in itself should should tell you, yeah, about our system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many more times we have to mention it, but the system it, is not created equally for everybody. It is not, and and one of the things too that people bring up to me is they're like, well, there's no laws that state that black people are going to be treated worse, and I'm like, well, no shit, because like the quote we read in the beginning, um, you know, we can't make it illegal to be black. Right. You can't, they can't write that down. So they go, they find alternate ways to do it. And it's, and, and it's not that it's written in the constitution. It's the way they enforce it. Yes. It's a judicial. Um, the, if it, the constitution is a piece of paper. Yeah. It's a fucking piece of paper. The power behind it is only there. If we as a society agree mm-hmm. to follow, to abide by these written words. So, when you have the system, the government and the police and the judges and the courts and all of it that are a part of this, that's the system that's supposed to enforce those laws. So if they decide that they're just not going to enforce them a certain way, who the fuck is going to stop them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So of course things can get disproportionately affected. It doesn't matter if it's written down or not. I mean, this country is only a little over 200 years old. Like, yeah, it's come a baby. On. Yeah. It's a baby. This country and is a baby. By e- country standards, yes. we're a toddler. And even though there are no laws that specifically say like that are racist, there are laws that are in place that are racist, yeah. that are targeting specific groups. Absolutely. For example, on the ACLU, um, there's an ACLU article, ACLU History, Black America, Casualties of the War on Drugs. 
there's one thing I do want to bring up. Another drug war policy that deeply affected the black population was the 100 to 1 disparity in sentencing for crack versus powder cocaine, in which possession of Mm. only 5 grams of crack cocaine triggered the same mandatory minimum sentence as possession of 500 grams of powder cocaine. There was a racial, a strong racial component to the disparity as crack arrestees were far more likely to be black. Mm-hmm. The ACLU has pressed for changes to this law for nearly two decades in the U.S. And, sorry, and the U.S. Sentencing Commission has recommended repeatedly that Congress address the disparity. On August 3rd, 2010, President Obama signed the Fair Sentencing Act legislation that reduces the dis- discriminatory, discriminatory ratio to 18 to 1 and eliminates a mandatory minimum sentence in this case for simple possession of crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. I mean wow. Crack is not 500 times more potent than right powder. Right. It's not. You know what I mean? So or 100 times. It's 100 to 1. So it would be right. 5 grams it's- of crack to 500 grams of right. cocaine which of is powder cocaine which absurd. is it's it, it is not it, that is racially charged. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question about that because it. I I don't know how else to explain it. It is a racially charged legislation where they are targeting black citizens at a higher rate, and it's. I mean, it 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 gives them a reason to keep them in jail longer. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, the disparities in in the war on drugs are are just all over the place. Um, here's, so where, so there's a, okay, here it is. So race and the war on drugs. Um, Americans of all racial backgrounds have been affected by the current war on drugs, yet minorities, particularly African-Americans, have borne the brunt of the war. Um, in 1980, prior to the latest war on drugs, the drug arrest rate for African-Americans was 554 per 100,000. And the rate for whites was 190 per 100,000, a ratio of 3 to 1, roughly. Less than 10 years later, at the height of the drug war, these rates had climbed to 2,009 and 363 per 100,000 for blacks and whites, respectively. So 2,009 per 100,000 for blacks Mm. and 363 per 100,000 for whites. Um, so whites went up not even double and for blacks it went up it, it quadrupled mm-hmm. um, so so it's now at a ratio of 5.5 to 1 Jesus. Um, and then since 1990 on average the ratio has been about 4.5 to 1 um, and it's also it also talks about Hispanic drug arrests they're harder to come by because of the FBI's uniform crime report doesn't record Hispanic ethnic status but available data suggests that Hispanics are also arrested considerably higher than whites because, of course, they are. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah, Hispanics in, in 2000, Hispanics in the state of Minnesota had a drug arrest, drug arrest rate of 1720 per 100,000 versus 404 for whites. Um, and that's from the Racial Disparity Initiative uh, of 2002. Quadruple. Yeah, exactly. So, more than quadruple. More than quadruple. Um, Oh, an Arizona stat. Similarly, in 2009, Hispanics in Arizona had a drug arrest rate of 622.5 versus 501.7 for non-Hispanics. This is all per 100,000 again. Um, So it's always higher. 
California, Hispanics had 54% higher felony drug arrests rates and 22% higher misdemeanor drug arrest rates than whites in 1999. Mm -hmm. um, so these statistics illustrate both the tremendous growth in drug arrests and the war on drugs worsening effect on racial disparities and drug arrests. So can we make it any clearer? Like, if none of these statistics stick with you, then you're willfully being ignorant. Yeah. Right. This point because there is no evidence that would suggest otherwise. There right. is no evidence. Literally, government data supports this. Yes. Is that fake news too? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. at it's, this point, we you can't reference anything more. I mean, palpable than government arrest statistics. Right. And anything. And and I mean, is everything a conspiracy? Is everything like fake news? And it's like I could I could pull you know we've we've gone through how many different articles right. already and how many different sources stats. and how many different stats, um and and then especially last they're episode all in with on mass it. incarceration. Yeah, no, everyone's in like, on it. It's big it's like, drug. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're all in on it, and and it's all they're just making it all up to make it fit in with the and the they never made a mistake. The liberal narrative. Yeah. So <laughs> I I don't know how to. This is why I want to do the podcast and get into this because when you actually get into all these stats and how it all ties together, it's it's. I don't see how. I mean, it's America. People are dumb. I know, but yeah. like, I mean, I still Donald don't see Trump how, is president. Everyone. I still don't see how you can see all this and hear all these stats and 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 still somehow find a way to be like, nah, no, it's not about racism race. is gone. I mean, America's racist as fuck. I'm sorry, yeah. it is. I mean, there are people in this country who still don't believe racism is a problem, a mm -hmm. prevalent problem. I mean, I've had to correct very close family members. Oh, I'm not yeah. going to name me too. But, you know, they would be like, you know, I lived here and like it was black, like predominantly black. And I didn't see that being an issue. I'm like, you are a middle aged white person. How would you be able to tell me that racism doesn't exist yeah. when I have taken the time, learned stories and it's every single person gives me a different yep. narrative than what you're telling me. So who do, who should I believe? The people who actually experience it yeah. or someone who's watching from the outside saying, hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I don't and, see it. And speaking on that, I have a I have an interesting story. So way back in high school, um, when I was in a band, there was this dude who very briefly uh, was our singer, like for like a week. We kicked him out because he like joined and then like we didn't have any songs yet because we were just getting together. And he like without our consent, just like scheduled a show and like paid money to like get tickets and to get it all set up. And we were like and it was like a week out and we're like we don't know any songs what are you fucking doing oh so my God. <laughs> and we already the thing is we already had like we already had another singer at the time who was way better than him he's one of my best friends now and so yeah we we kicked this dude out yeah and uh and then like i don't know why they always made me like kick people out <laughs> i don't know why i was the again i was the only black person in this town so the rest of the band's like white people yeah the rest of the area is white people, except my brother. But, like, they always made me, like, kick people out. And I was like, whatever, I'll do it. So I called them, and I was like, hey, like, we're, we're done with you. Bye, or whatever I said. And, like, I don't remember if he called me back or if he said it on the on the phone that at that point. But he started, you know, he got pissed, and he started yelling, and, and he called me the N-word. Yeah, I had a feeling that was yeah. coming. Yeah. He called me the N-word. So I'm like, okay. And, like, I, I hung up on him. And then, like, his mom called me, like, a little later. She's yelling at me. She calls me the N-word. What, like, what the fuck? So I'm like, fuck you guys, like, hang up, done, whatever. And uh, and and then, yeah, so that was the last I'd heard of him until maybe, like, 10 years later. And, like, I, I remember because it was when I was at the studio out in Cali. And, like, uh, so somebody followed me on Instagram and then messaged me. And I was like, 
and he has the same name as one of the other band members. Um, and so when he messaged me, I thought it was that other one who I was chill with. And I was like looking at him, I'm like trying to remember through, like, oh, I think it's, it's that one guy. I was like, and he was all like, yo, hey, like, sorry about, you know, whatever and da, da, da. And, and I was like, yeah, man, it's whatever. Like, cause I didn't, I didn't know what he was fucking talking about, but I didn't want to fucking be like, you know, I don't want to be like, what? I don't know who you, so I was just like, I, I'm awkward like that. I don't admit when I don't remember somebody. Right. So I'll just yeah. be like, oh yeah, you know, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which in hindsight I should not have done because I was, he apologized and I accepted it and I didn't know what I was accepting an apology for and then like two days later it hit me and i was like oh that motherfucker yeah and so at that point i was like whatever but like that's all we talked about then i just i just didn't message him or anything and then i think like a month or two ago now Mm -hmm. not that long ago um i guess in before those in those two days before i realized who he was he must have added me on facebook too Mm -hmm. because he's on he was on he's on my facebook friends list and (laughs) you know a couple months back he I saw a post from him and I'm like, I don't remember being friends with this guy. It must've been in that brief moment where I didn't know he was the one that called me in the N word. So I was like, so, and of course he's surprise, surprise, a Trump supporter. Oh my gosh. Um, so like, I'm sure his parents are too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everybody, most people in that area are, but, uh, he, I can't remember what he posted. He posted something and it was just so stupid that I just had to fuck with him. And so I commented on it or whatever like basically stating facts and you know logic and reason and he was basically like uh he was like you know getting all defensive and then like and i kept like arguing with him and then he was like bro i don't know why like he's like look like i don't know i don't know why you're attacking me like this like we don't need to fucking you know ruin our friendship over something like this and i'm like i'm like our friendship i'm like it was ruined do you remember our history like i've literally already talked about our entire history (laughs) together like in in just a couple minutes Mm -hmm. so we're, we're not friends and, um, but yeah, he said that. And then I, so I kept like fucking with him on any post he would make. I would just go and just comment on him. And he got mad at me for attacking him, even though I was just like stating facts yeah. and why he was incorrect. Um, but he, you know, he kept saying, oh, Biden's racist too. And Trump's not racist. I would know and whatever. And I'm like, and I sent him a whole list of all the racist shit Trump has did, had, mm-hmm. has done, you know, not, not having black people in his hotels in the eighties mm-hmm. calling for the central park five to be executed even after they were found innocent. Yeah. All these other things. There was a whole list of, I found a whole thread of all this stuff. And he was all like, he was like, oh, those are, those are just claims. Those aren't, I don't want a Twitter thread. I want an actual article. I'm like, bro, you can easily just Google any right. of these things. Of these and they're true. And I'm not going to do your research for you. Like, I gave you a list that you can just copy paste into fucking Google if you want and figure it out. Um, I'm not going to hold your hand through the fucking endeavor. Um, but he obviously didn't accept any of that. And, and one of the times we got into this big argument and he, he kept saying like, he's not racist and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, and he was saying that, uh, he was calling me racist and shit for certain things. Oh. And I was like, okay, man, here's Reverse the thing. racism. And so and I'm, and I'm <laughs> Let's saying talk this, about the definition yeah. of racism <laughs> yeah. first. So like, but then I was doing this in, in comments on his post so that all his friends could see it. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to call you out to your friends right now so they know what a piece of shit you are. So Good. I'm like, I'm like, okay, buddy, let me ask you a serious, honest question. And I want you to be honest with me in your answer. I was like, who do you think knows more about racism and can identify and talk about racism better. Myself, a black man who has lived my life as a black man and traveled to many parts of the country and lived in multiple cities and dealt with it my whole life, or you, a white man who once called me a nigger. Oop. Oop. 
and sure enough, the post was deleted. Deleted, uh-huh. yeah. Like, almost immediately, and he messaged Unfriended me. Unfriended you? He, no, he didn't. He, wow. he actually messaged me and was all like, bro, I don't know why you gotta fucking always attack me on this shit. It's like, we're just friends and trying to... And I'm like, dude, fuck you. We're not friends. And, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, but... uh and then there was uh, there was another post that he posted that I, I kept trying to post the same thing and call him out. <laughs> like, like, hey, remember, remember that time you called me a and yeah, and he kept he kept deleting him. But it was it was it was like my like I don't know the silver linings the s- small things in life trying to enjoy the little yeah, things. Yeah, fucking with this racist who thinks he's fucking smart and doesn't realize that calling me the N word is pretty fucking racist and. It, you want to? We were just talking about this at a protest a couple of days ago. How people who support Trump will try to be like, "Well, Biden is this too," and we were saying, right. "Yeah, like that means we don't like that, him yeah, either." That, that that would that would imply I support Biden and I don't. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that we doesn't really. Don't. I agree. He's bad too. Yes, He's just right. less bad than Trump. Yes. A little off topic, as we weren't talking about that. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like Hitler was racist too. Yeah. Like, okay. Oh, what yes. I, I know. What am I going to do with that? Yeah. We don't like Hitler either. Like, fuck out of here. It's always that's what aboutisms. It's always what about what about is one hundred percent. It's always like you bring up Trump and it's like, well, what about Obama? Fucking what about him? He ain't president no more. Yeah. I yeah. could I could rant about Obama too. All oh yeah. Day. I, could, I, don't, I don't give a shit. Like They're Black Lives Matter and save the children. It's like, what does this have to do with what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it, you're or Blue Lives Matter. Okay. Nobody said they don't. We're like, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't give a shit about them. But well, they don't exist. I mean, blue lives aren't real. Yeah. So essentially, but that's not even. The, I mean, don't the, tell that to James Cameron. Well, but. I mean, but um, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I just, I. It's what aboutism. It's yep. always, oh, well, what about what Obama did? It's like, okay, I'm not. That's not the topic of the conversation yeah. right now. And then on top of that too, like you, you always respond with. Yeah, I disagree with that too. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up. Yeah. And then they have they have nothing to say. They don't nope. realize it's like shit. We're not it's not just one side against the other side. It's like we're we're literally seeing the reality of the situation mm-hmm. and, and, assessing and, and assessing it and coming to logical conclusions. It's not bipartisan. Like Yeah. <laughs> and that's the problem. The two party system is yeah, fucked. Well that's one I was gonna say that's one of the many yeah. problems with the two yes. party system is that people think it's either one side or the other, whereas there are many people like us where like no, both sides kind of fucking suck. I mean, yeah. one is just worse than the other, and I'm just yeah. uh, I lesser mean, of two evils yeah, every fucking I mean, election, and that and yeah. you don't see that as a problem. And yeah, right. I mean, Bernie Sanders should be president. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. He should be oh fucking my. president. Um, yeah, but yeah, and he and his whole story is an example of how the two party system's fucked. Because mm-hmm. He's not a Democrat, but he, he was ran an as independent. One. He had to run as one because he wouldn't have gotten the platform otherwise. He wouldn't have gotten to any platform. And and yeah, because you need like five percent of the vote to to get uh, media coverage and mm-hmm. to get into the debates. And usually third parties get like 1.5 or 2%, 3% maybe. And can you imagine where this national conversation would be on important issues like socialized healthcare, socialized mm-hmm. like education, like all of these things. Can you imagine where it would have been had Bernie not run as a Democrat? Mm-hmm. This is totally completely side conversation, but it's just right. like, think about it. With this two-party system, if Bernie had said fuck being a democrat i'm not that i want to run as an independent we would not have been introduced to this and honestly it took a little bit of educating myself to be like damn every other major country in the world is on this Mm -hmm. and we're the only people who don't do it right what were we saying earlier if it works elsewhere it's worth trying yeah Yeah. Hmm. so fucking try it 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 would actually save us money yeah it would literally save us money yep People finally um, realize that. Oh, higher taxes. Yeah. Well, what about your deductibles and what's coming out of your yeah. paycheck already for your mm-hmm. healthcare? Oh, I like my yeah. my my health insurance. Like, 
this is another topic for another day. Right. But, this, we but, could go into yeah. real depth on that. <laughs> that so that we'll could be that another one. That another could be episode. another one. Because it, it ties into access to healthcare. It ties yes. into all of this. Yes, yeah. um, Systemic racism. Yep, because it's all part of the system. So, um, but yeah, I mean, a little bit of a tangent there. but uh, uh, yeah, Sorry about that. In, well, it was all of us. Yeah. An important one, nonetheless. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, all of this, the the war on drugs all the topics we've been talking about i'm just waiting for this is still baseline like yeah surface level oh, yeah, this is shit. Surface like level. we haven't even really gone into reagan yet we've only hit nixon for the most part as right. of right now so we still have reagan right we, we still got reagan. clinton we still got hw bush mm-hmm. i mean do you have anything pulled up for reagan i want to kind of get to that i next. think i do let me check oh yeah Reagan introduced the mandatory minimum sentences. Right. Yeah. And then... Which basically means, like, they're Guaranteed. upping... They're guaranteeing prison time um, without question, mm-hmm. which makes it... Would normally, would be at the judge's discretion to decide whether they're going to get a longer sentence or a shorter one. That which law they led- still got long sentences because a lot of judges are racist. Right. But now... Even the judges that weren't doing that, if there were any, are now forced to give longer sentences. It led to an increase in average time in prison for drug crimes from 22 months to 33 months. Wow. 11, almost a whole extra year on average. Okay, so on Timeline.com, there is a couple uh, points of uh, recognition for Reagan here. Mm -hmm. Um, One is building hysteria about the crack epidemic, which racist ideas distorted drug policies in Reagan's America. A media frenzy about crack epidemic created a hysteria that meant support for his law and order policy approach on drug use. Prison population soared as African Americans were targeted by law enforcement despite using drugs at similar rates to whites. And another one, cocaine is okay as long as you're fighting communists. In the 1980s, <laughs> President Ronald Reagan enacted harsh sentencing laws for drug offenders. Yet, under his watch, the CIA was actually funding some of the very drug cartels responsible mm-hmm. for flooding inner city America with cocaine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then another one, Just Say Blow. In 1987, actress Drew Barrymore signed an anti-drug pledge alongside First Lady Nancy Reagan as a part of the ongoing Just Say No program that capitalized on pop culture stars like Barrymore and the cast of the sitcom Different Strokes, which uh, Nancy Reagan was actually on to say Just Say No. Mm-hmm. Like many of the celebrities, Miss Reagan recruited for her anti-drug effort was still abusing drugs at the time. <laughs> In the end, Nancy Reagan's Just Say No program was considered a massive failure. Kids needed more than a simplistic tagline to deal with the complex reality. You think? Yeah. (laughs) Like a kid's going to hear a tagline. They were were using Just Say No in like... Yeah. Do you remember Dare? Dare? Yeah, 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 I mean, we all let that. And like, they, yeah, they I mean, hammered like, it. Just say no. They hammered it in that marijuana's bad, marijuana's bad, and so are all these other drugs. And I tried marijuana, I was like... This isn't that bad. So I tried <laughs> yeah, when, other drugs. When I, when I tr- finally tried marijuana, it's like my back pain went away. Yeah. I didn't feel depressed anymore. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, why have I not been doing this my whole life? Um, I mean, it's just... I feel like it's one thing to educate, but it's another thing to be like, don't do this because inadvertently it you, could... Co- like, they're failed. That's it. why well, it's yeah. no longer yeah. a thing yeah. because it failed. I mean, 
kids are rebellious by mm-hmm. nature. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell a kid not to do something, they're like, going to do it. <laughs> I bet if you told kids, be like, do heroin. I feel like heroin wouldn't be right. as yeah. frequently. It's like, They'd be like, oh, no. I don't want to. Don't right. Like, tell like, like what trying to do. get, you ever try to get a kid to eat their vegetables? Yeah. Hey, eat them. They're good for you. No, I don't want to eat that. Yummy. No, you can't have dessert yet, but I want dessert. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course. You tell them you can't have this, they're yeah. going to want it more. That's, yeah. I don't know how many examples, any, any <laughs> parent out there, any parent out there knows that. And I'm not a parent, but. I've still seen it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, very I, my roommate. I lived with. I, lived I with remember my doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I was that kid. Yeah, exactly. I was the same too. I was, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just common sense. You, Your but, parents tell you you can't go out. You want to go out more. Your parents tell you you can't go out. You're like, mm, we'll see. Like, yep. It's it's literally just the constriction. Oh, yeah. not only did the the anti drug abuse act um, increase sentencing, but the federal supervised release program uh, shifted from a rehabilitative focus to a punitive one. And there it is. Yeah, wow. That's... Like I said, it's all about punishment when it should be about rehabilitation. rehabilitation. What is the point of punishment if you're not going to rehabilitate? People die from drug like withdrawals in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like alcoholics even yes yeah even yes. though it's legal to drink alcohol people are dying from withdrawals in prison mm-hmm. yep. why is this not more focused on this like it's like why haven't they connected the dots yet it makes you feel like damn we really need to tear this fucker down yes and, re- yes. and build a new system because this is just this is not working it's not working everything we've tried in this country has not worked because yeah. it is built on Let's target certain groups, mm-hmm. like like the crack thing, mm-hmm. like the one hundred to one ratio. Nope. Hmm. You have this little bit of crack well, proportionately to cocaine. Oh, that's cool. Like we're gonna arrest you and we're gonna put you in jail. But if you have coke, it's not gonna be considered as bad because all the rich we, we people who, were doing yeah, coke. Yeah, Wall mm-hmm. Street. I mean, <laughs> yeah, all the rich white people were doing it. Uh-huh. So. it, 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 it so yeah, I mean, it, like, do you know how many you know how many white bosses I've worked for who have told me stories about all the drugs they did as a teenager and as a young twenties, young adult. Right. I mean, you look at the and rich now, and now they're like own they own a company mm-hmm. and they're like very successful and mm-hmm. like you would never guess that they ever did drugs and it's like what the fuck and it's like. But with black people, it's always like they're, they're, there's a way different perspective of it. Mm-hmm. It's like crack is dirty. It's like 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 it's just it's even just the perspective. It's literally the, the same perception, yeah. the same thing. Yeah. It's just how we perceive it based off of the propaganda that's yep. perpetuated the, the in propaganda. Our, that's, yeah, that's the that's the news media and how mm-hmm. they're and the role they play in portraying um, all of this. I mean, and and I I did a few I did a few interviews uh, the past couple of days about this weekend and. I was nervous about both of them because I don't trust the press. Yeah. Um, the one, the first, first woman that called me, I, I told her straight up, I'm like, yeah, I don't trust Easy. Like, can I see some of your work? Like, can I see some of the stuff you've done and what mm-hmm. you and how you've portrayed? And um, I, I do want to do interviews if I can. I don't like doing interviews um, because that's why I wanted to start the podcast. So, but your perspective is important. Yeah, like my, our perspective. My, yeah, is important. our perspective as protesters, as as activists, is yeah. important. Um, and it needs to get out there. So I'll, I'll take those opportunities if I can. I'm just going to be very safe and have contingencies. My lawyer is always going to be present mm-hmm. to make sure they don't misre- misrepresent. It's very important um, what I'm going to say. Um, so yeah, it's it's no. In in kind of touching on the propaganda aspect, I think it's important to mention the 
long this history of propaganda on, on marijuana. Oh yeah, I this think is your it's brain. very like literally like this will cause you to go crazy. It will have yeah. your your white daughters have sex with black men. Reaper it will madness. have them yeah, it'll have mm-hmm. them rape your children, murder your children, like just perpetuating the idea yeah. that this is a black drug mm-hmm. like this is what black people are using and they're going to and mexicans and in black and brown people as a whole but most and anti-war hippies yeah yeah, yeah and, and anti-war hippies and they're like look what's going to do they literally threw the name marijuana on there to give it that that like oh it's like it's right. it, it, it's it that doesn't come from anywhere but the propaganda uh-huh right like i don't even use marijuana and i still know this is entirely bullshit like the entire yep. like it's all propaganda. Well, I mean, and yeah, and and if you think about where we are today, I, I I read out all the different states that have legalized it, both medicinally and recreationally. So the fact that there's even two categories, recreational and medicinal, mm-hmm. it has medicinal purposes. It's a medicine, uh, and it can be used recreationally. And um, a good number of states have legalized it and decriminal decriminalized it all over the country, and yet it's still a Schedule One drug. Mm-hmm. Do you do we know if any other Schedule One drugs are legal and decriminalized? Because I don't think they are. Mm-mm. I do want to read a poster, uh, a propaganda poster oh, for the federal good. marijuana ban. When was rooted, this from? Rooted in myth. This was from, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, 1936. Okay, here we go. So, um, daring drug expose, um, shame, horror, despair. Those are the the words on the top corners. <laughs> marijuana with an h weed with roots in hell not recommended for children for some reason they have a picture of a needle that says misery on it um it says what happens Are you at- injecting the marijuanas again yeah <laughs> it says what happens at marijuana parties and then it says lust crime sorrow hate shame despair smoke Sounds that like gets in youth's eyes and then on the bottom it says Weird orgies, wild parties, unleashed passion. Sounds like a good time. I mean, <laughs> damn. I mean, yeah, I, again, sign who, who me you up. Incur- I mean, damn. And then, I mean, that's not even talking about the racial aspect to it. That's just them saying you get weird orgies and lust and don't and, threaten me with a good time. Yeah, damn. <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, it's just. None of those things are true. I mean, like, ultimately, the, why was there a needle in that fucking picture? Yeah, first? No yeah. idea. That makes no sense because I, no, I don't know anybody one time who's injecting I took a marijuana. One marijuana. Well, because, because it's directed at people who don't know anything about yes. it. it. Just looks yeah, scary. Exactly. So, so it's just something to look look like you know, you know, ominous. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're they're if the needles involved. Like that's because they you know, yeah. I don't know where heroin was at the time, but heroin, you know, that's associated with needles and everything. So it's just one of those things that you just kind of. It's an aggressive image. Nobody likes like, I don't think anybody likes shots. Right. You know. So yeah. So it, it, yeah. I, I'm looking at that's hilarious. That more racially charged than anything. I'm trying to. Can you can you send me that? Yeah. Um, I want to post that on the the Instagram. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think Everybody. it's important because it's just it's it's almost funny how bad they portrayed it. Like they're literally right. trying to scare white middle America. Right. It's that's like a it's it a caricature of. Of like mm-hmm. a bad marijuana ad, um, or a good marijuana ad? I still don't know. A false marijuana ad. We'll go with that. Um, 
But yeah, I'll post I'll post that uh that image on our IG. It's PHX Frontlines if you guys aren't already following it. Um, we're on Twitter there as well, PHX Frontlines. If you want to help us out and donate, we have a Venmo and a Cash App set up. Same thing, PHX Frontlines. Any support goes to directly to this podcast to help us uh, expand and uh, do more, bring you guys more. It also goes to helping any of the people out on the front lines, including ourselves, um, every day out here in Phoenix. So support would be much appreciated. But don't forget to share this as well. We yes. do need uh, do need more listeners and uh, get the word out there. So right. Um, that being said, yeah, we'll post that on the on the IG for you guys. Yeah, um, I was looking for another one because I remember seeing one that was more geared towards scaring people with, oh, black people are going to rape your children. Right. But I I'm having trouble finding it. I don't know what the well that was even in movies in the yeah in the early I mean, 1900s. Like the 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 imagery of. Clan, the clan burning crosses in people's yards. That they never did that until the movie came out that depicted them doing that, and that's when they started doing it to imitate mm, the movie. That sort of scenario, it's yeah. like art follows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in in those movies, they would have you know obviously people in blackface pretending to be black people and acting like you know acting mm-hmm. like monkeys and mm-hmm. like, you know threatening to rape your mm-hmm. the white women and the daughters and all that. And what then, What did I watch that was had that exact oh i think it was something on youtube about the history of black depiction in in films and how um yeah i mean even still even if it's a positive movie there's not too many times where there's a black main character who's just like in a sci-fi or fucking something like Mm -hmm. instead of being the victim of a of police brutality or right. or some other sort of racist thing right and and some of those movies you just have a white savior mm-hmm. so like yeah there's a lot of white savior movies mm-hmm. well, here's a quote i found from harry anslinger founding commissioner of the federal bureau of narcotics here we go reefer makes darkies think they're good they're as good as white men the primary so reason to outlaw marijuana is its effect on the degenerate races Wow. He seems nice. Yeah, he seems insightful. Um, I'm sure we're just taking that out of context. Yeah, right? Oh, no, no, yeah, no. definitely. Yeah, no. he, he didn't mean it that way. Um, but yeah, there's... Mm. Um, let me see. Oh, okay. Here's another one from Harry Anslinger, our friend. I wish I could show you what a small marijuana cigarette can do to our degenerate Spanish-speaking residents. That's why our problem is so great. The greatest percentage of our population is composed of Spanish-speaking persons, most of who are low mentally. Because they don't speak the same language as you? Um, Like. Harry Anslinger, another one. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Colors with big lips lure white women with jazz and marijuana. Hell yeah. Shit, is that all it takes? I've been going about this all wrong. Um, Let me see. Another one by Harry Anslinger. So I guess this is all about him and his perpetual... I think he was the one who really pushed this reefer madness. Mm. Sounds like it. Their their Satanic music is driven by marijuana, and marijuana smoking by white women makes them want to seek sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and others. I mean, I think there's a few other reasons why they seek that but yeah <laughs> probably that's another episode tune in <laughs> no um but yeah so those were just some some quotes i found by 
Harry Anslinger, the commissioner of the uh, Federal Bureau and, of Narcotics. And when when was that? When were those from? Uh, I think that was also in the 1930s. But let me confirm. That seems pretty. I, I mean, that blatant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it definitely isn't. But then again, our president. I mean, yeah, right. yeah, that's also very true. But so. he's also like, I don't know. I don't want to say one of the few, but it, it's. He thinks he can get away yeah. with shit. Because he has been. Yeah. It's, nobody does anything about it. He's been impeached and it was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever. The world keeps on spinning. Oh, my God. Great. I was. Okay. So at the Tempe Chalk Walk, I went into Barnes & Noble to buy a book because they were. Right. Yeah. So I went in there and this guy, he was like just talking to somebody else in line and he said something about Trump not having been impeached and I was like it wasn't even my conversation but I couldn't help I was like he he was impeached Mm -hmm. and he was like no he wasn't he's still in office I'm like this guy's like 50 or something I was like no he was impeached it just didn't get past Congress. He, yeah, he he wasn't removed from office, right. but he was impeached. And he's just didn't even I guess he's so confused cuz Bill Clinton, everybody else who was impeached resigned right. Right. after the impeachment. Right. Uh so So we didn't realize that like you didn't really have to yeah. do that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I was confused. I had to educate myself cuz yeah. I heard Trump was impeached. And I was like, "Hell yeah." And then I had to look into it, but this guy, yeah. Trump supporter, just thinks that that it all even things happen. are honky dory like yeah. what so yeah it was in 1936 and there's a couple more quotes that came up oh okay let's hear them uh marijuana is the most violence causing drug in the history of mankind mm. you smoke mm. a joint and you're more likely to kill your brother <laughs> wow marijuana is an addictive drug which produces its users insanity criminality and death He's just pulling the shit out of his yeah. ass. Yep. He's like, what can we say about it? That's Oh, yeah. Kill your brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that down. If the hideous monster Frankenstein came face to face with marijuana, he would drop dead of fright. <laughs> 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 I want to see that movie. <laughs> and then he also said marijuana leads to pacifism and communist brainwashing. So which one is it? Right. Harry. Pacifism. Pacifism or, or murdering your, your brother. brother. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, there's a, Can you imagine Frankenstein versus the werewolf and the werewolf just like pulls out a joint. And just Frankenstein's like dies. <laughs> yeah. It's like short movie. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even have to use the full moon. I just, just here relaxing on a Tuesday night and Frankenstein, Showed up and just died. I don't even know what's going on. This anyway. sounds this sounds like a like a direct quote from Donald Trump. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. Here we go. This is the last one I'm gonna read for everyone who's getting sick of all these quotes. <laughs> they found some marijuana growing in one of the prisons. We heard of that. There was a seizure made in Colorado State Reformatory for boys not too long ago. That does, does sound, sound like, like a, Trump. That yeah. Sounds like just that we heard of that. We've like, heard of that. that. Literally is we Donald heard of Trump. That. Like they're <laughs> growing, they're growing marijuana in the prisons. Like. The oh bad hombres. Like, he, he's just... Donald Trump, I mean, if this doesn't prove that there are parallels to racist government officials in the United States, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you would believe that Donald Trump said that in a tweet today. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and again, I digress. I'm I'm kind of going off, but the... the he was an official. The he was a government official. He was yeah. literally a founding member yeah. of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Yeah. So again, the, at the foundation of all of these programs, mm-hmm. of all of these systems, 
um, all these different parts of the system is always insane amounts of racism. Turning white America, which was a big majority at the time in the 30s, I would say. I mean, it was a, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, a, definitely. A big, I mean, a big majority considering that black people were worth three-fifths of a person in the mm. eyes of the government. And they right. still are. Right. They still are. And, I mean, that's why yeah, black absolutely. women are making 60 and, cents on the dollar to a white man. But, yeah. and, and another, like, side point to that kind of, a little off topic, but that thirties, that was the, the great depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I remember a quote, I don't remember who said it, but there was, um, a, 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 a black person was talking about their, either their father or their grandmother who was alive during that time talking about the experience in the great depression as a person of color. And they were like, they're basically like, yeah, like everybody was talking about how horrible it was, but it's like, we didn't even notice didn't change. it because we were already there. Depressed. Wow. They were so, already economically yeah, They were depressed. already at mm-hmm. that level. And then it's like everybody else, whenever the stock market crashed and everybody else went there, it's like black people were just like, yeah, yeah welcome, 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 welcome to the, to the party. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, we didn't see much of a change because it was, it was, I mean, among no other different things, economically, they just got to experience what it's like to be a person of color in the United States. Of right. America. To a, to a small degree. To a small degree. I, the, economically. Yeah. Is econ- yeah. To a degree. But because as we've, as we've gone through with so far America. with mass incarceration and the war on drugs, obviously. They weren't as affected by that as heavily, oh, yeah. but no. but yeah, in the in the financial economically in the depression, yeah, economically yeah. speaking, just a fraction of of what was going on. So, yeah, the, yeah. the United States has a storied history of uh, gearing drugs and pairing them with people of color in this country, and um, mm-hmm. have targeted them as the enemy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we didn't even. We haven't even gotten to Bill H. W. Clinton. Bush or Clinton. Clinton, he, this guy, a lot, yeah. He put a lot of money into police. Oh yeah, a lot oh, yeah. of money, and he was trying to be the He's homie. trying to push the three strikes law too, mm-hmm. federally. Yeah, fuck all that shit. So this is the 1994 crime bill. Okay. I mean, among the other issues with the Clintons, this is a major issue while he was in office. Among other things. Oh yeah, this was oh, the yeah. three strikes. Yeah, he did three strikes. Uh, well, he was pushing for. It. I don't mm-hmm. know if it ever passed federally. I don't remember. Uh, let me read. Um, oh, I do have something while you're looking. Um, Bill yeah. Clinton presided over the largest increase in federal and state prison inmates of any president in American history. Wow. Clinton did not declare war on crime or the war on drugs. Those wars were already declared before mm-hmm. Reagan and was ele- mm-hmm. before Reagan was elected and long before crack hit the streets. But he escalated it beyond what co- many conservatives had imagined possible. He supported 100 to 1 sentence- sentencing disparity for crack versus yep. powder cocaine, which produced staggering racial injustice in sentencing and boosted funding for drug law enforcement. He also championed the three strikes law. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had one more thing about, but like, yeah, I just want to point out again, like, yeah, we're calling out a Democrat, right? Um, we don't, we don't give a shit. Both parties fucking suck, um, and we're gonna call them both out. So don't come at us with whataboutisms. Um, if you do, we'll we'll probably agree with you. Yeah. Um, depending on how accurate your factually claims accurate, are. yeah. But that's what it comes down to. It's it's what's factually accurate it's not um it's it's not what we want to be true it's what is true yeah so this this random paragraph out of this article about uh bill clinton is basically like all of a sudden uh the punitive frenzies of the 1980s and 1990s seem like something from a cruel foreign country 
All of a sudden, Bill Clinton looks like a monster rather than a hero, and he now finds himself dogged by protesters as he campaigns with his wife Hillary. So this is from the last election. Um, and so the media has stepped up to do what it always does, reassure Americans that the nightmare isn't real and that this honorable man did the best he could as president. Again, that's going to tie into the media episode whenever we get to that one. But the media comes around and tries to make them out, tries to give them good PR to make them look less of monsters than they are. I mean, the media in itself is, I mean, I just wish it was not biased in any way. You know what I mean? Right. Like in my it's, first interview regarding protesting, the first thing I was asked was, what do you want the narrative to be? And I'm like, convey the the, the truth. The truth. I, I don't want there to be a narrative. I want you to tell them what happened. Right. You know what Report I mean? Report the facts. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. But what we have is we have for-profit media. Yeah. And that's where the problem comes in because... The truth doesn't always get good ratings. Which is why NPR is publicly funded, and it's also one of the most factually accurate and unbiased mm -hmm. news outlets there is. Yep. Weird. Yeah. Crazy how NPBS. that works. Yep. Yeah, he did. The, the three strikes provision that was signed. He signed that? Into law. Yeah. I mean, this is a fact-checking article, so it was basically an argument that he had with a protester about from Black Lives Matter, um, and you know the protester was saying, "Hey, that this is you know increasing incarceration." The fact checker said it was already increasing, so it's kind of hard to, right? You know, but they're bringing, and then they also uh, corrected something Clinton said in response. But the article does mention that that he did sign the three, three uh, strikes provision, and I don't see anything about it only affecting. Um, one state or that it was removed. This is for felony charges too, I should mention. Okay. Right. So yeah, the, the three strikes law significantly increases the prison sentences of persons convicted with convicted of a felony who have been previously convicted of two or more violent crimes mm -hmm. um, or serious felonies and, and the limits the, uh, the ability of these offenders to receive a punishment other than a life sentence. Oh, so, so essentially, three strikes, you're gone for life. Yeah. Um, and that's felonies. So since we're talking about the war on drugs, um, any of you know offhand what drug charges can get you a felony? I'm going to look it up. It depends on what drug and how much you have. Yeah. Like, if you're dealing, you're probably going to get a felony. Like... Um, Even yeah, so if they perceive um, it as intent to sell, I think. Mm -hmm, exactly. Well, uh, for example, in most states, possessing any amount of heroin, a Schedule One substance, is a felony. Jesus. So just possession of heroin is a felony in most That's states. That's just fucked. Um, but felony charges for drug possession often result when a defendant has possessed a particular illegal substance or any illegal possession of a certain quantity or specified drug. Um, so a possession of a certain amount, depending on the different drug is a felony so again if you just have it on you and you're caught with it on you three times you're not going to prison for life addiction shouldn't be a crime yeah it absolutely should not um i mean yeah that's just 
cruel and I mean, unusual. That I mean, at the end of the day, if you're addicted to a substance and they're considering that a crime, like, can you imagine if they put you in jail for trying to commit suicide? Having right. coffee? Like, can you imagine? Like, because yeah. you're committing harm on yourself. So can you They rehabilitate people mm-hmm. who right. are trying to commit suicide. Like, you don't get put in jail for trying to hang yourself. Right. But yet, when you're addicted to a substance and they're worried about your safety, they're putting you in jail for using... And, like, and, and basically restricting access to any help like, you could possibly yeah, right. get. It doesn't make sense. It. it makes zero sense. But it does make sense from the perspective of a racist system exactly. who wants to profit off of enslaved people's labor yep. on at most $45 a day. So it, for this, I mean, these last two episodes have basically been centered very, around very uh, modern slavery. Mm-hmm. And I was actually going to touch labor. on that once I found what I was looking for um, in terms of apparently with the rate that they are incarcerating black men in particular, they are on the same, like from when slavery was like at its highest, it's getting to that trajectory where they're going to be incarcerating the people at the same rate as when slavery was at its highest point. Like it's at the same statistical trajectory. Yeah, it is, Uh huh? Yeah, right so now like there will be yeah, like, the same amount of like, yeah, black per men capita, imprisoned yeah. as there were enslaved. Yeah. Okay. Per that's, ins- that's insane. Um, there I mean, you go. Think about it. Like, one, I mean, you have a one in three chance of going to prison <laughs> in your lifetime. That That's really not that off if you think about it. I mean, it's getting up there. It's only increasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. There's more <laughs> legislation that targets people of color it's going to only increase and create that divide in prison where at at some point black men are going to make up you know like 70 percent of the prison population whereas right now they're what is it like i want to say they make up more than half i don't remember the exact Uh, i thought i had had it pulled up event uh, at Um, one point was it on this one um okay percentage of people well this is just for this is just for drug law violations but 27 percent uh, well, percentage of people who arrested in 2017 for drug law violations who are black was 27 percent, despite making up just 13.4 percent of the population. Yeah, I mean, I think it was in the in the mass incarceration. I had the other stats. So if you consider um, other drugs, yeah, if or you other, consider crimes, other crimes and things like that, it's only going up. <clears throat> yeah, and they're going to continue to make it make up a higher percentage in prison, despite only being 12, 13 percent of the population. Because the laws are being targeted towards them, not mm-hmm. white men. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, rem- I remember what it was. Is is if it if we made it proportional to uh, black people in prison to white people in prison re- relative to the percentage of each population, the prison population would reduce by forty. Forty percent. Yeah, that was the stat we were. I, that we were is insane. About. Yeah, that's just proportions, and you know, again, I'm kind of going off topic and going to the grand scheme of things, but it all ties in together. Yes, it does. Um, that's why this is such a hard topic to. I mean, all of these are going to be difficult to try to stick to one thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it all is. intersectional. We kind of knew that going in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all falls under systemic racism. Yes. And yes. It's going to tie in. I mean, you can really just play pick, these pick all. Pick whatever at you one. want. <laughs> yeah, you right. can all really play these all at one, and we might reference something from another episode, but at the end of the day, it's it's going to. It all ties into the same issue right which is the systemic the issue systemic racism of, of america and um yeah i mean just 
with with everything we've talked about and like it, it it's it's what makes it hard to have these conversations with people that that aren't aware mm-hmm. of what's going on because there's just so much to talk about it's like how do i how do i give you a condensed version of all these issues and um and we've already like, been on it for three hours and this has like, been we've continually said this is the like the the, the, the surface the level uh, we haven't even gone in depth we haven't we really haven't there's there was way more we could have said about mass incarceration in the last episode there's probably way more about the war on drugs we could talk about and whatever topic we in police we do in yeah in police and all this there's so much more we could talk about and it's it's finding like the right things to to let people know about in like short conversations like bullet mm-hmm. points and bullet points is really difficult mm-hmm. um because one you kind of have to have them read certain things yeah and be like hey here's an article with some stats like please read this and they're not going to they don't care. you can't make them yeah and that's you know that's what's tough but maybe listening is easier mm-hmm. like maybe while they're driving to work or something they can put this on and and, and gain some knowledge but i mean at the end of the day we can we can lead a horse to water, but we can't yeah, make it drink. drink. So we're we're gonna give you we're gonna give you all the water you need here, <laughs> as much as we possibly can. Definitely enough. Uh, There's something to that put it all together. Piques your interest. Yeah. One little part of what we talked about. Just look it up. I'm sure yeah. it's there. There's, there's I mean, there's a lot of literature on mm-hmm. this stuff. And again, if you're sending people the mental water you're sending them these articles and they're not reading it that's what ties back into willful ignorance it's absolutely you're giving me this information and i just don't care enough to read and that's why it's willful because you know there is facts behind it you just Mm -hmm. don't care enough to read so i hope right listening to this kind of inspires you to do more research or if you already know these things and agree then it continues to to make you think about these things Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Share share it with your friends and people who you know are smarter than what they say or or than you know their conditioning. Just try to. Yeah, and and one thing I want to kind of we'll probably we'll probably leave it at this, but Mm -hmm. um, also when you when you are looking up facts and statistics, make sure you look up all of the facts and Mm -hmm. statistics. Um, A lot of arguments I hear. when it comes to, like, for instance, uh, black people being killed by police, uh, one of the, the counter stats they will say is, well, more white people are killed by police than black people. And the first thing I want to say is, so aren't you fucking mad about that, too? Yeah. But, like but then the, the, the reality of it is, is, yes, twice as many white people are killed by police as black people, but there are six times as many white people in the country. Mm-hmm. So if you even it out to the proportions... Black people, if if the populations were the same, black people would be killed three times more mm-hmm. than white people. So it's a disproportion thing. And if you don't understand math, I guess you wouldn't be able to see <laughs> yeah, that. But if I you mean, understand math even a little, you can understand how if you only have 10 black people and 60 white people and you kill 10 of each, you still got 50 white people left, but you've just eradicated the black people. Exactly. So it, it hits the black people way harder then it then it affects the white I people. So it you got to make sure you have all the facts. Don't mm-hmm. just pick and choose the ones that support what you already think. Try and go in with an open mind and and try and go in trying to learn something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just to talk about the proportion, it's like I think last year it was like 300 something white people were killed. I'm just going to generally say like Oh, I have these. I just know that 
based off of yeah you have it i have from 2017 to 2020 okay so in i'm not going to do 2020 because it's not this is as of the oh no uh was it this one yes this one's as of august 30th okay this year um so last year let's just talk about last year so okay so gray so gray so last year 370 white people were killed and 235 black people were killed by the police which you're looking at that from a baseline just totals you're like damn why don't we talk uh, talk about the fact that white people are killed more but if it were proportional i think it would be something like 80 black people as opposed to 200 something mm. Like, um, yeah, it'd, be, it'd, it'd basically be, be around a, like whatever 80 a sixth or 70, of, yeah. whatever a sixth of 30, so yeah, 60. Yeah. Th- 36 it, would be six, so about 60. Yeah, so 60, like, that's the easiest way to convey the information is just, yeah, and yet it, it's in a 235. Perfect world, in a perfect world where everything is equal, I mean, obviously you don't want anyone to be killed by the police, but if right. everything is equal, it would be dramatically less. It would be yeah. about one fourth of the number it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two thirty five so, instead of it's two thirty five. Two thirty five currently it would be around sixty. Yeah. So So it's 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 higher than it should be. And that's higher. why we're mad. <laughs> so please understand that. So black lives matter. Yes. <laughs> yes. We say black lives matter because the system doesn't think they do right. because they kill us at disproportional rates. We're not saying we matter more than anyone. We're just saying we need to matter too. So stop fucking killing us. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, like I was telling you guys off of the microphone, I mean, the only analogy that I that really hit me like a ton of bricks was, would you go to a pancreatic cancer rally and say, what about skin cancer? Yep. It kills people too. Well, yeah, but pancreatic cancer dies at a much higher rate. And we're not saying that other cancer victims are not important at all. We're just addressing a higher death per capita mm-hmm. right so i think it's important to just remember when we say black lives matter i'm not saying nobody here is saying yeah. that white people don't nobody's saying that asian people don't nobody's saying anybody is not important we need to address that black people are disproportionately incarcerated murdered and everything just targeted mm-hmm. they they are I can't tell you. I feel like the government views them as more than three fifths of a person. Even now, yeah. I mean, we look at wages. Mm-hmm. Like I said, black women make about sixty cents on the dollar to a white man. Yep. That's literally three fifths. Yep. Yeah, literally. So yeah, it's all. I mean, again, we're just looking at the numbers, and this is what they tell us. This isn't our opinion. Mm-hmm. This isn't how we feel. This isn't an emotional response. Yeah, we're pissed because we're being murdered. Who wouldn't be pissed about that? But the stats are clear that we are targeted disproportionately. And that's got to change. And that's why we're out here doing what we're doing. Um, On that note, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. We'll probably touch back on bits and pieces of the war on drugs throughout other episodes as everything ties together. Um, For now, again, don't forget to follow us on IG. Uh, PHX Frontlines. We're also on Twitter, PHX Frontlines. Cash App and Venmo if you want to support us, PHX Frontlines. And we'll probably get a Facebook or something set up soon. Um, not sure, but but share it with your friends. Tell everybody you know. This, is, this isn't really for like, uh, I know a lot of our friends and fellow uh, comrades are listening to this, but it's more for people that aren't out there, mm-hmm. that, that don't know what's going on and, don't, and may not have uh, taken the time to 
look into any of this information. So um, thanks for tuning in. Um, again, I'm Dark Matter Dreads. And I'm Ryan Tice, Black Lives Matter. I'm cracking. Let's tear it down. Tear it down. Abolish the, the police. System. Mm -hmm. Abolish the police. We'll see you guys next week. We